0: Hey everybody, welcome to Hacking Into Security, your career-related cybersecurity show. I'm your host, Ricky Burke, and regularly we'll be speaking with a variety of guests from industry leaders to new entrants into the space, each showing their story, views on the industry, and how others can find success in navigating their careers. Thanks for tuning in. So, this is episode number one, and for me, quite fitting that our first guest is Chris Rock. So, Chris, for me, has been very influential. Um, He is someone I've known for a few years now and originally I was just someone I wanted to get to know because he had a very interesting profile. He's one of the few guys that's done multiple DEF CON presentations and based in Melbourne so it just made sense trying to get to know someone like that. We struck up a good friendship over time and he was very encouraging of me starting a business which I did uh, as a cybersec people a few years ago and he ended up being my first customer which I think neither of us expected um, much more before that time but it worked out well for both of us and we've, we've kept a good relationship since um, so Chris has got a very interesting story and uh, we'll talk through his journey from being an 11 year old to the where he is now um, if you're hearing some background noise um, well we're all working from home and <laughs> as much as uh, we try and uh, let's say entertain the, the kids and keep them busy um, they'll be busy themselves and making noise so um, apologies for that but I um, hope you enjoyed the conversation, uh, Chris. Thank you for participating, um, and I hope you enjoy. Take care. Welcome to another episode of Hacking into Security. Um, so today uh, we're taking a different direction. We've spoken spoken to a few people that have got into the industry recently. Um, today I'm. Very, very happy to be joined by Chris Rock. Um, so Chris, I've known for how many? Four years, maybe. Four, or so? four years, yeah. Um, so Chris has got a very interesting background. Um, and I'm, I'm going to read the bio out from, uh, from a, well, from basically his DEF CON CFP. So Chris has been active in the security industry for over, 25 years. Uh, Chris presented I Will Kill You at DEF CON 23 and How to Overthrow a Government at DEF CON 24. So not controversial at all.
1: No, no. I try to keep mine really, really clean topics.
0: <laughs> uh, Chris has run a security pen testing company for over 10 years. Now you're CISO. Um, actually, do you say CISO or CISO? Eh, doesn't really
1: matter.
0: I do Simple. the security shit for CISO. <laughs> Th- so, um, it's interesting. I said, I think most people I speak to within the US say CISO and I think a lot of people in Australia say CISO, but, um, but yeah, CISO doing security shit and co-founder of Seamonster. Um so SeaMonster started in 2015 by a team of hackers. After years of working in the pen testing space, they realized that there was a gap in the sea market for affordable, scalable, open source alternatives to existing solutions. Um and something that's not there but I'm very proud of is that you were my first ever customer and um yeah, helped helped us get on our way. So thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that was great. I uh, remember talking to you, you were working for a big recruiting company and you're itching to get out and uh um, like it gave you a little bit of push, and you, you went with it. Went with it with a pregnant wife. Went bang.
0: <laughs> yeah, great time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it worked out in the end, anyway. Yeah, it did. Um, so usually, my quest, first question is, who are you? But I think we've given give you a, a quick rundown already. Um, something I'm always interested in. I guess there's lots of different reasons for this, but from, from your perspective, um, why? What? Why are you in security?
1: Yeah, so a really good question. I've always been security-minded, like, forever. And, like, pre me being in InfoSec, I was actually, um, I went to the police academy. I was an armed guard. I did an apprenticeship uh, locksmithing um, course as well. um, My uncle was a locksmith. So I've always been intrigued. and I love security. And, mate, I've been hacking since I was 11 uh, illegally. And so for me to then turn into the InfoSec sector, was just, it was a natural fit. It's what I've done. It's what I was born to do. And I, I live and breathe it. I, I mean, I do this stuff seven days a week, 12, 14 hours a day, and I couldn't think of anything that I'd want to do. This is my uh, leisure as well. And it's yeah. not just my job.
0: It's funny you're saying that. I was, um, last year I was at um, b Size Canberra and we were out on one of the nights, God knows, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning or something. On the piss. Maybe. And, um, and one of my mates, um, we went back to our hotels and he went back to go and do bug bounties. And again, it's not just because, you know, it's not work. It's not because he needs the money. Just He yeah. enjoys it. It's, it's what he does for fun. It's just yeah. it's a passion. So
1: I, I, I've never done bug bounties. For me, it's like, it's really good practice. Mm. Um, but for me, I'd rather hack a real target. Like if I want to if I want to learn to use a sword, I want to chop someone's head off. Like it's as simple <laughs> as that. I don't want to like just stop before I get to somebody's neck. So I actually want to go right through. And I know the right answer is do bug bounties, do what's online. But for me, it was like, get your hands dirty, play with it, pivot. Once you're in a company, move around, make sure you don't get caught. And then you learn really fucking quickly
0: uh, <laughs> on the job training. So yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Good. um, so you- you mentioned obviously you've had a bit of a, I guess, a variety of background already, but I guess how did you get into security to, to where you are now?
1: Yeah, so I, I entered in the information technology, uh, IT path. So I was in the banking sector for 10 years first. Um, I worked at uh, all the Aussie banks, um, ANZ, Westpac, blah, 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 and, and learnt in the banking sector the beauty of learning in the banking sector is you get a wide range of technologies. Everything's critical, important 9999 out of time. Um, you're also dealing with industry that has always got money. Like my dad always said to me, is like, you can go get a job in retail mm-hmm. or you can go get a job in a bank. Banks have always got money. Like you're always going to have a job. And he was right. So I used to, I, used to, I got in through the IT space and then I was working things with like ATM, EPOS, um, Core nice. Banking. And when you actually work with Core Banking IT and then you pivot to security because there's a requirement or need, it's very easy. Like once you know the IT in and out, moving to security is, is simple. It's, um, I see a lot of people with imposter syndrome. It's because they go in as a consultant. I mean, you know what it's like when you go to a consultancy firm. You do three weeks on a job. It takes you three weeks to learn what the hell this organisation is doing in the first place. But by having that core banking experience, I could mm. then understand that perfectly and then I could apply security over the top of that. And uh, I think that's important for, for new people is get in and stay in and stick to stick to the one company for a couple of years to get the hang of it. And, and as con- exciting as consulting is, going from gig to gig, you don't learn you, don't, you have to be really quick on your feet to learn infrastructure in three weeks and then apply what you've learned in those three weeks. Um, Guess you, you, know what it's like. you get a new job at any yeah. place. I get a job in a bank. It takes me three months to work out what the fuck's up and what the fuck's down, let alone having to apply my knowledge to that. That yeah. sector, like in any job. So. Scratching the surface, aren't you really? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So consulting only when you've done 10 to 12 years, I'd say is, and, and it's good for the company too. I mean, they who wants a consultant on site that's only had two years worth of training? Like you're fucking useless. Stuff to teach, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you really need to know what the fuck you're doing before you then go tell a client who's spending two and a half thousand dollars a day on what they should be
0: doing. So. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, again, I guess that comes from experience. And I guess t- talking, about, talking from experience, I guess t- just for some context, obviously I've mentioned you're, you're now your co-founder running your own business. Um, just give people, I guess, a bit of a background on, yeah, what you're up to right now, what what seam wants to do.
1: Yeah, so um, I'll just go back one step. So after I did banks, I then saw a deficiency in the penetration testing market. So we would have pen testers come in and they would say – uh, you know, you're deficient here and deficient there. And what I found is I was using automated tools, you know, the equivalent of the NASIS's of the today or the, you uh, uh, those sort of tools. And so what we used to do is we changed the banners on all the targets. So instead of it saying, uh, yeah, IIS nine. It would say, you know, Solaris forty, and then all their tools would hook up these headers, and then their tools would be useless. Uh, and 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 it was embarrassing. So they had to actually ask us to change the headers back. So <laughs> seeing the pen testers, the you know, the PwC, Deloitte, the, the big four accounting firms doing pen testing. This is back in two thousand and ten. We saw we saw a deficiency in the market, so we thought, you wow. know what, let's set up our own pen testing firm. So I I did pen testing around the world for about ten years in my own company with some key guys that I taught. Along the way, so I, I did security mm. training, hacker training, uh, and then I, students that were really good, I said, you know, you can come work for me. So students who would actually hack my laptop during the training uh, of the course said, "Boom, mm. I want you in." So, uh, did, so I did pen testing for ten years for my own firm, mm. and then again the same thing happened. One of our customers wanted a seam solution. For those that don't know, security, information, event management, a uh, blue step steel, and they didn't want to pay the price uh, of Splunk. It was seven hundred and fifty k at the time. Wow. Uh, so they asked us, yeah, so they asked us to develop our own scene platform now we we're not scene, we're not we're not a software shop. Uh, so we thought, you know what we'll have a look what's out there, and we saw all the other products out there, the open sock, Cisco OpenSoft, Elastic, um, Elastic, elastic, yep. and then yeah, so we then adapted that over the next four years and a scene, uh, built a scene platform and uh, yeah, so I was the the founder of um, or co-founder of Seamonster, and uh, that took off. We have a lot of customers around the world. so you ask me what I'm doing now is, yeah, I'm the Caesar of Seamonster. Office in New York and Melbourne, and we've got customers a lot of university customers uh, in US, uh, Canada, and uh, UK. And it's a, it's a, an affordable same solution.
0: That's great. It's interesting. I remember us talking again back then. I know you're in Melbourne today, um, but uh, I guess from a business perspective, you were started to expand into the US and obviously now it's it's definitely gone that way um, it's just it's a big space this industry and I get people I think sometimes forget that is that you know we, li- we live in our small little bubbles sometimes um, sometimes geographically um, but there's a big wide world of of things happening out there
1: oh, I mean t- totally you're spot on Ricky I mean the Australian market is just shit small <laughs> compared to the US market and I mean I was raised in Melbourne blah 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 When I went to New York, for example, and then I was speaking to one of my customers and said, in Texas alone, we have uh, 1,200 banks in Texas alone. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, we've got the top, you know, we've got the big four and probably another 150 credit unions on top of that in Australia, and this one state has 1,200. And here I'm trying to win business in, in pissy old Australia when there's just the US market alone, let alone Europe, Asia, the Middle East. So we... We made the decision very early on to, to go to the US. Uh, the Australian government helped out. We we went through the Austrade program three months in San Francisco. I then did nine months uh, in New York and, uh, in 2018 and then again 2000, uh, 2018 and nineteen. And then, um, yeah, so we're in New York and Melbourne now.
0: That's fantastic. Um, okay, cool. So obviously it's a lot has changed in that time as well. You mentioned obviously from, from hacking as an 11-year-old um, and now it's a, you know an actual job. Um, I guess what what changes have you seen over the industry over the last 15, 20, 25 years?
1: Um, to be honest, it's exactly the same. I know that sounds like a weak answer, but it, it, everything's exactly the same. I mean, as an 11-year-old, I used to hack and now two things happen. Companies ask me to hack. And then rich individuals in the Middle East and foreign governments ask me to hack too. Oh, wow. There's no difference. there. there's no difference. Uh, yeah, I I, I uh, walk both paths. I'm a white hat hacker, a black hat hacker. I've always admitted to that. Um, for me, it's exactly the same. It's just targets. Uh, you know, the targets are the same. Maybe you know, obviously later technology stuff like that. But in terms of the industry, no, a lot more pretenders in the industry now. So a lot of you know big notches on Twitter. Uh, and I know a lot of your young people pro- probably follow people on Twitter thinking, you know, I'll enter through that space. Everyone on Twitter is an arsehole. Like, I'm an arsehole on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a <laughs> your,
0: your, your tweet the other day about...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which one was that?
0: <laughs> Offering Bitcoin.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, Bitcoin for the first person. they the three people that like it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I follow rock stars on Twitter and they're all fuckers. You know what I mean? Like, you meet them in person... Yeah, the dipshits. They haven't done anything in their career, to be honest. Like, you know what I mean? So young guys, young girls in your industry, get the fuck off Twitter, learn your craft, learn it hard, and then um, you'll be doing whatever the hell you want to
0: do. So I see you're doing whatever you want to do um, in terms of you've started your own businesses and, and had success, I guess. What, what's helped you in your career to date? Uh,
1: yes. So t- to be honest, I've, I... The best thing that ever happened to me is uh, one of my wife's niece, uh, sorry nephew, came to live with us when he was seventeen, and this kid had already finished university and as a seventeen-year-old, and now as oh. a lecturer. I know you're giving me that funny look right now. He was one of those, you know, those kids that finished university like Doogie Howser, like at, at fourteen, and he'd gone through university and now is a lecturer. And he, had, I, you know, at that time, I think I was twenty-four. I had my MCC, I think I was king shit, and maybe a Solaris cert as well probably and probably version and two back then. But his guy was an MCSC trainer and he was seventeen. Wow. And I'm thinking I'm gonna to have to compete I'm gonna to have to compete with this fucker for the rest of my life. Like people like that in my life. So for him he was always been the explosion under my ass to always want to learn and study. And and the thing with, with me is I I used to be the CEO of Sea Monster and I stepped back so I could do my research, so I could do my next DEF CON talk and my next NDA talk later this year. But I love research and the more I can do with research and study something that I love is is, is key for me. So I pick an area of interest and, I, and it just comes to me. I never looked for – I looked at some of your other talks and I saw some people said you study areas and blah, blah. For me, it just hits me like a ton of bricks. Like when I did the I Will Kill You talk, for me it was like I saw a news article where. Uh, uh, letters were sent out to 300 people that they'd been, they're dead. And here's your death certificate. I'm thinking, how the fuck, how does that fucking happen? And for me, it's like, that doesn't sound logical. In my head, a doctor goes out, fills a certificate out, boom. But in the hospital system, you know, it's, it's, it's a tick box option um, that goes through that way. Um, so it, ideas will just come to me and then I'll just run research and I spend every free moment. Sometimes I should be working, but I'm just doing research into, a topic of interest. Um, and I try to cover topics that haven't been covered before, maybe yeah. a little bit on the edge, um, <laughs> but only because who, no one's looking at them. You know what I mean? Like if everyone's looking at them because it's illegal or you shouldn't be looking at that. It's like, nah, fuck that. That's like, you know, red flag to a all for me.
0: <laughs> okay. So, with your exposure, which is not just like a um, local, but you've obviously now got more awareness instantly what's happening. Lots of different companies, Europe, US, and and I guess regionally. Um, where where do you see, I guess, opportunities for people out there if there are any?
1: Um, from from you, a career perspective. Okay. From a career perspective, and he, he's, this is what I always tell anyone that I've worked with is your career is going to be long. Your career's going to be could be thirty to forty years in, in infosec, and it obviously it'll it'll like me. I've gone from you know IT to you know pen testing to seeing and who the fuck knows what I'll be doing in a couple of years' time. But the thing is, it's a long career, and the last thing you want to do is go into an industry where you haven't had the training. So when a doctor becomes a doctor, they do mm. the six years, they do three years at a hospital, and then they're a doctor, and then they do surgical school and blah blah. blah. They never have the imposter syndrome because they know what the fuck they're doing. When I, have, when, I, when I have a leak in my front yard, like fucking water's flying in the middle of the air and my plumber drives past, sees the thing, digs the hole, jumps in the hole, grabs the tool out of his back pocket, clamps it, fix it. He's not wondering whether he's right to be in, in that sector or not. He, he uses the right tool for the job, knows what the fuck he's done and he's done it a million times. So if, if I could just tell everybody, you had a long career, don't take shortcuts. Learn the fundamentals. You're going to get a lot of people saying, oh, you don't need a degree, and you may not need a degree. Or you can go do coding boot camp and you're fine. That's not true. You need to know how CPU works, operating system works, networking works, Linux, Windows, whatever the fuck. You need to know it all. And then you focus on a bit that interests you. Don't take shortcuts or you'll wear it for the rest of your life. And there's people, peers of mine, who still have that anxiety. It's like you have anxiety because you know what the fuck you're doing. It's as simple as that. Um, if you knew what you're doing, you wouldn't even think twice about getting on stage. And of course you might be shy on stage or embarrassed. That's normal. But if you know what the fuck you're talking about, it just comes out whether, you know, a doctor doing surgery or a plumber fixing a fucking pipe. You've done it so many times. You don't care whether it's a windows tool or a Linux tool. You don't get in those debates, use the best tool for the job. And uh, if I tell young people, don't take shortcuts. If you have to do 10 years in it before you remove security, that's the best thing that could fucking happen to you. You're not
0: going to miss out on anything. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. It's, it's, yeah. I, I try and share a similar message that uh, sometimes the best way to, to get, get into security is not even working security, go and work in something else and, and learn the fundamentals. Uh, I,
1: but spot on. I didn't do it that way. I mean, you know, how many years did I do before I even went into info yeah. 10 years? I mean, and the best thing I ever did because the shortcuts I used to do when I used to do the drop down list, you know, if, this cipher, that cipher, that cipher, and whatever the laziest option I chose because it was easier to do a SPF certificate with a bit that was that long than that long is the same mistakes that every other administrator makes. So when you're hacking and you're going, oh yeah, I remember I used to do that too because it was it was fucking easier, then you'll know or didn't change the password to the default for this or this or that. Um, it's just common knowledge. So do do I mean you don't need to be a black belt in your first five to ten years. Just do the fundamentals. And shit just
0: works. Yeah. I, see, I see a lot of people eager to um, go from basically nothing or degree to pen tester. And yeah, I mean, obviously, there's lots of different jobs out there, but it's, it's a very common theme that I see. And I, I try yeah. to say to people, there are more jobs out there than pen testing. And two, you know, you need to learn more. Like I've got one friend who's, you know, who has done that transition, but he's, you know he's quite rare but there's a lot of people that find out about certain types of roles at university and then they would have become that but there's a lot of upskilling to get to that sort of level
1: all my staff have had 20 years of experience before their even pen testers it was a 15 year minimum in the industry before he came and did pen testing with me uh, obviously I took on interns and stuff like that as you know one of the first staff members was an intern but in terms of what I wanted. I wanted highly skilled people and you want to be a black belt in the first year. Of course, who doesn't? That's like, that's a normal trait, but don't expect to be a black belt, you know, fifth Dan in the first five to 10 years. That's, that's <laughs> the next part of your life. And there's plenty of time to enjoy that too. And, uh,
0: yeah, I think, I thought we are all in a rush these days. <laughs> always in a rush.
1: Cause, cause like who, who doesn't want to be, you know, the, you know, the superstar on Twitter or LinkedIn or, mm. you know, Caesar of Facebook, of course you want to be that. But look at all these, all, they're not young people. They're all, you know, they're heading towards the 40 to 50-year-old, they've done their time. We all want to take shortcuts, that's normal.
0: Uh, I'm nearly 40 or 30, 35, we can call 40 young still if you like. <laughs> they you. thank you. <laughs> um, so we've, we've, I guess if... What you know now, if you were going back, you know, 20 odd years and starting out your career, what would you do? Like if you were, if you exactly. wanted to – sorry, go on. Yeah, exactly the same thing. I would not change anything.
1: I know that sounds like a weak answer, but the best thing I ever did is get the fundamentals. I mean, one of my first jobs was in a computer shop. I worked with an Asian guy who did – he bought stuff with cash from a van that drove past and then we (laughs) sold stuff that was, uh, we would never do tax free, put it that way. So all of a sudden you learn something that, you know, as a 18 year old boy going from a middle class family, I didn't understand how, you know, this whole, you know, other world works just cash only stuff. And then I put computers together and I did that every day and I did like, you know, eight computers a day I put together. Um, so I would change nothing. You know what I mean? Start at the bottom and enjoy the road up, and you're going to see some weird shit and good stuff and bad stuff. And, and like I said, try to stick to, you know, the banking sector because um, you'll learn a lot, and you, and it'll be a very formal structure, and you'll learn a lot of things like architecture, which is key because when you now, when you then work for any company, whether you then work in a, a waterboard or electricity company and stuff like that, and a vendor comes to you and says, oh, we want to throw this new bloody, you know, load balance of firewall and next generation bullshit. And then you can look at it and you can actually look at the vendor specs. You can look at how they're doing it, what architecture they're using, the flaws in the tech, um, you know, using Cisco and Juniper as two different types of devices as in like a, a DR for security. Um, yeah, that sort of infrastructure, I think I would not change the way I've learnt. Uh, you just follow the trends. Um, if, I, if I went into pen testing now, and I know this is probably going to piss off a few of your, your listeners, but pen testing, I'm not saying it's dead, but it's fucking crowded. When I went in, there was the big four, and then there was a few little small companies, and now it's like, it's a service it's a commodity item. I can get a quote from 20 different pen testers in Australia or 1,000 in the US. You're gonna learn a lot, which is great, but you're always gonna be fighting for business and stuff like that. Good learning curve. Work in a sock, man, that's awesome. You know, go through that whole forensic, where did that IP come from? Oh, I came from Pakistan. Does that mean it came from Pakistan, or did 13 hops before it came from that target? Like, learn your target. When I compromise a host, I might compromise 13 hosts before I hit my end host. So I might compromise a, 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 a hotel in Pakistan. I might compromise a, a person's house in Sri Lanka and then mm. have my attacks go back and forth between the two countries knowing there's no extradition treaty between them. And then I'll hit my target. So as a stock analyst, you need to have that in your head about what you see may not be what you see. So don't go start attacking that you know poor Pakistani uh, hotel when they're simply just a hop in a target
0: so that's, that's interesting so f- for anyone who because I, th- I find i talk to a lot of people and you you, you mentioned about sort of doctors earlier and I, I sort of see in a similar way where people say i want to get into security and I, I i relate it to healthcare. it's like well okay it's like saying to you i want to get into healthcare. What do you want to be, a doctor, nurse, paediatrician, dentist? I want to work in security. Okay, but what, on, what do you actually want to do in security? There's all these different areas with different sorts of skill sets. So for people that may be coming around to the idea, actually, yeah, blue team sounds more interesting than I realised. I guess what would be some valuable skills that people should be learning or picking up?
1: Yeah, so in that, in that perfect example, whether you're blue team or red team, you need to know how things hang together and you're going to get that in a land administrator, a job or a architect role or a SOC analyst, how shit works in a real company. So you're going to see, you know, the, the front end, you're going to see the middleware and you're going to see the back end database. And, and you might think that you know, I'm doing a SQL injection, but how does that work? Are you, how are you moving between the layers? Just because there's a padlock and that's secure between your endpoint and the web server, what happens when it gets, Decrypted after it hits the is or Apache server. And that packet then moves back to the middleware. Is it encrypted on that second path? When it goes from the middleware to the database, is that encrypted as well? Or did they not do encryption end to end? And so you may not know that. Um, so the trick is if you can get that basic non security, how stuff hangs together in a real environment, then the security stuff is a beautiful bolt on at the end. Like, like you said, you become a doctor first and then you do another three years and you become a surgeon. But you've got the, you got the you know, the, the basis beforehand. And you know what doctors prescribe. You know when you're doing surgery and, you know, what medication were you on, are you currently on? You can put, start putting shit together. You know why people do things a certain way. It's the same in our industry. IT first, security second and not in reverse. You can't do security first if you don't know how windows uh, is built you don't know about you know how windows or linux or shit hangs together first uh and you'll you'll learn that if you do the it part first that make,
0: makes a lot of sense um okay cool well that's, thanks for your time on that and um i guess a question that i'm always keen to ask people um what what's your opinion on the cyber security skill shortage headlines
1: yeah, so and I think the vein of my, my conversation so far is there's a lot of pretenders in the industry. So there's a lot of people pretending to have skills that they don't have and they'll say that in an interview but it, it'll come out really quickly on a, in a technical interview whether they have the skills or not. If people are going to go through uni security or high school, CIS, CH, OSCP, they're going to come unstuck very quickly. So if I'm employing somebody up, oh, to be honest, I would hire. If, if, if I would in hire an intern, no problems, and train them the way I want to be trained, and then I'd throw them into certain areas to learn. Go you know, install this, go and install that, and then go that path. There is a shortage. There is a skill shortage. There's a lot of pretenders out there, and you've got to cut through that crap to get it. And especially when I'm hearing you having to communicate to people going through, you know, I want to go to security, and they don't know what they want to do, or going straight out of uni into security. And that's, I think, that's the wrong path. So, short answer. Yeah, there is a shortage of skill. There's not a shortage of applicants
0: out there. <laughs> so, yeah, not a. Not a um, that's a fair way to look at it.
1: And, and, um, and everyone, I, and everyone I have to pay to bring in my business is a, you know, anywhere between 100 and 250k employee. And if I employ a 250k employee, they better know their shit. I don't want somebody who's done two years and just pretending because. I can get anyone to do that. I need someone who really knows their stuff. But if I'm getting a 100K or a 60K intern, I know what to expect, that there's going to be a big up up ramp for them. But if they're committed and really, like I said about my uh, nephew, if they're going to bust their ass, then there's a 60 to 250K is an easy path to go to if, if they're committed. As long as they're not nine to five, as, as long as they're prepared to do it. A
0: seven day week, and committed. It, It's not that sort of industry, unfortunately. So again, when it's like you, you know, it's your passion, you, you're doing it anyway. It's, it's, it's not just a job.
1: Which is great for my career. I mean, when i got people mm. wanting to do nine to five, it's like, man, that's awesome. If you're only doing nine to five, you're not even scratching the surface.
0: So. I, uh, it's quite scary because we don't, we're not on sort of qualifying potential people that we're going to work with for customers. I, I do ask the question, like I said to you at the beginning, why security? <sighs> And some of the answers are quite scary when people actually have just said money or for job security. And those answers, they're not, that's not someone who's going to go the extra mile to learn stuff that they need to. That's going to help them in their career. They're just going to get by. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally
1: agree with that. I mean, I do research for a year. I mean, I could push trolleys at Buddy Woolworths for twelve bucks an hour and would earn more than the research that I come out with at the end does. But I don't do it for the money. I do it for I do it for the learning, and I do it like presenting to the community. I mean, it's easy to be a CISO in the US at half a mil to a million dollars a year, versus you know research which pays absolutely nothing. But you do it. As I said, I'm in it for the long haul. I do these DEF CON talks, not only for the DEF CON talk, the research, but it's also marketing. I mean, I'm on a 40 to 50 year roadmap. As I'm telling your your young recruits to do a 10, 20, 30 year roadmap. So yeah. I've got my own rab, roadmap, whether that be public speaking or
0: whatever. But that's that's my path. Just just on that note, I asked you earlier about sort of what's helped in your pro in your pro, um, career. So is that something you've helped helped you in terms of in terms yeah. of presentations, yeah. getting out there?
1: got to have a plan you got to have a plan you got to have what are you trying to achieve but like when i did defcon 23 i will kill you 2015 obviously i needed a topic the timing all that sort of stuff but i was just about to launch my security scene product so i needed some background i'm well known in australia no one knows who the fuck I am in the U S so all of a sudden I could then launch into the U S so I did back to back talks for Defcon. That was pre-planned. Uh, and then uh, now that I'm spending a lot of time in, in New York, because we're, we're between New York, New York, Australia, I need to then further that even further. So I need to net catapult, catapult that section of my career into mm. the research a little bit further. So yeah. Makes sense. Have a plan, Have a plan and just execute. And it's not an overnight plan. It's, you know, like I said, in, this, in my case, it was a five-year plan for for my, for my speaking circuit. Awesome,
0: uh, Chris. Thanks for your time and thanks for sharing your your insight. Um, I, I guess everybody's got a different journey in the industry, and I guess that's that's part of the, the I guess the topic of this. Um, there's there's not one way into it, but there's lots of ways it can go. And I guess the more experience you are, and the more you see internationally, there's 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 hopefully advice that people can pick up along the way as well. Yeah, thanks
1: for for the asking. A lot of people don't ask. You know, a lot of people think, uh, you know, I have young people who will make contact with me and I just want to, how do you get in the industry and those sort of conversations and you're a rock star and all that sort of bullshit, but it's nice to be asked the beginning so I can at least least then show people there is, like you said, there's different paths and people might look at my talk that you and I have done today and go, oh, that's horseshit." I'll do half of that. I'll do a quarter of that. But it doesn't really matter. It's their journey. It's not my journey. I can just say what's worked for me and then they can take what they want from, from that.
0: Excellent. Chris, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks for listening. And if you've got any questions, comments, please reach out to me. You'll find me online anywhere, CyberSecRicky. And if you would like to be involved in the future, maybe be a guest, and then reach out as well. Thanks for your time. Have a great day. Bye.